We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of The Roar brought to you by BlueWire. I'm your host, Billy Marshall, and... We're doing an instant reaction pod after Carolina beat the Seattle Seahawks 30 to 24 in Seattle. And unfortunately, John is not able to join us tonight, but I am happy to be joined by uh, one of my good friends. Uh, guy actually gave me like my first opportunity on, you know, to provide content on, on the NFL. It's Sam Gold. Uh, he is actually he has his own YouTube channel. Um, he does work for. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, Sam's Film Room. You can find him on YouTube, youtube.com slash Samuel Gold NFL. Terrific job, as always. Sam, what's up, man? How much, man? How you doing? Yeah, really good. Um, Pretty interesting game uh, overall. I did have a feeling Carolina would be able to compete uh, pretty well. Um, you know, when I saw the line come out as three and a half, four, I, I figured that's probably a good line just because... Um, you know, their run game, it's what they've been kind of leaning on all year. And that first drive really set the tempo. It was 16 plays, only 53 yards, but it took over like half the clock. And, um, you know, there were moments in that game where Seattle kind of figured out how to stop the run. But, uh, I mean, I, it was, in my opinion, uh, like the, that's the sort of script Carolina has been playing with, just running the football, even if it's not generating a ton of explosives. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately for Seattle, they just couldn't really contain it. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. <clears throat> the Seahawks have kind of had a huge problem defending the run, especially over the past couple year or past couple weeks. Uh, I just actually did a film breakdown um, after they lost one of their most recent games, and uh, from my vantage point, it seems like a lot of their issues just simply comes down to defending the run against too high, um, too high. Uh, coverage defenses they play a lot of cover six for example um <clears throat> and on top of that they 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 try to shift down into cover four at times as well um they're not nearly as much as the the classic cover three cover one team they used to be and so what happens is that not having that extra man in the box it's it completely destroys their run fits because their safeties don't always come down and they're always late uh they just don't seem like they're <laughs> ready to defend it or even aggressively and especially against a team like the Panthers, where they ran a, a ton of that counter GT pulling with pulling guards and um, with especially with motioning uh, like that orbit motion in the backfield and and any sort of the shotgun runs where they have a light box, um, they just get blown apart. Um, and that's pretty much what we saw all tonight was 
them just constantly running that um, that same that counter GT run where you have a backside guard and tackle pulling across, um, and then you just you just read the gaps from the uh, the front side A to the front side B to the front side C, and eventually you just hit, and eventually one of those will get open, hopefully. Um, and that's what the Panthers kept exploiting, and it was, was was pretty gross from the Seahawks' perspective. Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, you know the trio of Foreman, uh, Chuba Hubbard, and Raheem Blackshear. Um, well, Foreman and Hubbard combined for 148 total yards, but that was only on 4.23 yards per carry. Yeah, so they just really just stayed consistent to it and really try to set up like um, you know third and shorts, and they managed to convert a few of them, but. Uh, it, it just it was a really rough start for Seattle. Um, you know, the first drive was not ideal, and then uh, two plays later, you're turning it over in deep into Carolina territory, and it's you know ten nothing. Uh, so I I don't feel like Seattle's offense really found a rhythm like in the first half. Yeah, they not at all. Uh, and this and that's something I kind of noted throughout the game was that um, the Panthers did a good job taking away any of the easy typical yardages uh, yard gains that the Seahawks offense really likes. Um, they like a lot of that same bootleg action stuff. Uh, that's been de- actually deadly for this offense throughout most of the season um, where you have like a leaking tight end where it's like a no- Noah Fant or a Will Disley just kind of hitting the flat or even Tyler Lockett. And the Panthers did a fantastic job de- uh, defending that. And that's actually not been the case for a lot of other teams. They they usually let those plays go. And those are the plays that actually let often, uh, Seahawks offense start running down the field. Um, the Panthers did a fantastic job covering those. And then on top of that, uh, they defended the run exceptionally well throughout this entire game. Like Travis Homer, I think he had one run of 16 yards. Um, and then what, what was it? The, uh, the announcer, Mark, I, I can't remember how he pronounced his last Mark name. Schlereth. Schlereth. Yeah. He, he goes crazy. That perseverance pays off and <laughs> they gained 16 yards and Travis Homer ended the game running at less than three yards per carry. It was, it was as, as typical, uh, overreaction about one one busted play from the Panthers defense as possible. Uh, just but with they did such a good job defending the run outside of that that the Seahawks just couldn't establish any sort of um, continuance. Uh, their 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 deeper play action stuff. There was always some pressure there. Uh, the Panthers did a great job of pressuring Geno. I think he was sacked three times in this game, and there was a number of other pressures I saw. And then even their drop back passing stuff it seemed like J.C. Horn and C.J. Henderson just kind of sat on those routes and, and drove on them and broke up a bunch of passes. Yeah, I, Travis Homer only received nine carries and you know, it was 26 yards. But to your point, Schlereth is a former offensive lineman. He kept like, I don't know, he, I, I like him. I don't actually mind him compared to some of the other uh, mm. color guys. I, but he was just gushing about these body blows that, that Carolina kept you know, giving Seattle's defense because this was a different game for – uh, the Seahawks run defense than Vegas where, you know, Josh Jacobs was essentially like a one man show. You know, yeah. Carolina was just methodical in their approach. Um, but you know, to get back to your point of Seattle's offense, there were uh, some moments where they found some openings, especially like, um, you know, middle of the field, especially they had the touchdown drive where Lockett uh, tiptoed his mm. uh, in. Uh, it looked like Carolina had some issues just matching with those crossing routes that, uh, left voids in their um, in their zone coverages, and they just didn't really have an answer to matching them. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And that's and and it, it seemed like any time that Gino had time um, behind the offensive line, and they did you know like a shotgun three step passing play, which is which ends up being their five step passing game offense. 
anytime that he had, you know, breathing room and, and, and good blocking up front and no, and no extra Brian Burns pressure or anybody else coming in, he, he seemed to do all right. Uh, minus, you know, like one or two bad throws here and there. It's just, he was constantly under pressure. And then you had that play where uh, he thought a player was off sides. It turns out, I guess he wasn't, or, or maybe the refs missed it. I don't, I don't really know at this point. Um, and then he throws that ugly, ugly pick. And, you know, it just, it just completely destroyed their entire momentum in the first, but they did a good job of, of at least coming back to make it a game. But that, that opening first quarter, just going down 17 nil, like you, it's, it's really hard to come back from that, you know, on any, in any given week. And they still were able to score 24 points. It's just, it's just pretty ugly. Yeah. I think the key play was that, um, you know, the first drive coming out of the second half, you know, Seattle, uh, just went down and scored to make it 20 to 14. And it's a third and like, I think it was like third and seven. And he checked it out to Goodwin for four yards. But I think there was pressure initially that really forced him to, uh, I, I don't know if you remember that route concept. I didn't really care for the, the play call. I know they showed like a little, you know, highlight reel, not with the all 22, but um, that kind of really just, you know, didn't really help them because he, you know, it was 20 to 14. If you make a touchdown there, 21, 20, potentially, um, yeah, then you really have control. But I don't know if you remember that play at all. The third and seven from the uh, eleven, where yeah, it, it seemed to be. Um, what was it? it? looked It looked like like a th- like three seam or four seam, and then you have Goodwin kind of running this like in route underneath to to kind of catch as like a check down, or at least that's the way I kind of read it. Um, but again, I, I I'll need to see the all twenty two. But yeah, I mean, it, it looked like the Panthers did a good job covering deep, and then they just converged on the um, on Goodwin underneath and that was that it was but it was those like third and long plays that the Seahawks just couldn't they just couldn't keep drives alive and they just kept making mistakes and they kept they kept putting themselves in like a bad situation because you then had you know an early Travis Homer run that went for one or two yards and then and then Mark was like all right let's Mark your left was let's keep running it and then it didn't work obviously and they kept getting behind in the sticks and that was it yeah and you know, they obviously Carolina goes down and, um, you know, they get the turnover on downs there on the goal line. I actually didn't mind that. I know some, you know, some Panthers fans were upset with the decision to throw it there, but, um, you know, that second and goal play call, that was a good play call. Darnold just missed DJ Moore. Um, mm. I think if he gave him a better ball, you probably caught it. And then, um, you know, the next play after that, uh, it was a really good play. I think it was, was it Kobe Bryant that knocked the ball out of Tremble's hands? Um, I, I think it was a uh, Ryan Neal actually. Okay. Ryan Neal, excuse me. Um, but no, I see, I, I really have an issue with those two calls because if you get, I mean, I, if Darnold throws an accurate ball as a touchdown or if Trumbull holds on, um, you know, it's also a touchdown. Did you have any thoughts on, you know, that sequence there at the goal line? I was straight up. I was, I was shocked. They didn't run the ball on that, on that, the final four, uh, the final four plays, uh, when you're three yards out, uh, mm-hmm. I expected Foreman to get the ball a couple times, and and my fantasy uh, team was was hoping he would get that run. You know, at least at least one or two of those. Um, yeah, I was I was I think I was more surprised they didn't run it than um, than really upset or kind of like um, I, I think I'm with you. I don't I don't I don't dislike the passing concepts themselves. I think it's more I think. I was just more surprised they just didn't run it. I'll say it like that. No, that's fair. And, and I think, um, you know, from an analytics perspective, um, it's better to go go for it when you're, you know, in that situation, mm. 
only up three as opposed to kicking that field goal, making a six point game. And then, you know, potentially Seattle starts with the ball, like you know somewhere around the 25 yard line. And, um, you know, at this point, you know, they were struggling to get Seattle off the field. They did force the three and out on Seattle's second possession of the second half. But, um, but I, I was, I was fine with them going for it because you back them up, you know, inside the two or three yard line. And, and, um, you know, they did convert on a couple um, big throws, uh, you know, one on third down to Lockett. And then, you know, he found Disley and uh, Metcalf for 29 total yards before you know, that sack kind of the drive. So I didn't have an issue with it, but I think, you know, after that sequence in the fourth quarter, that's when Carolina just decided to run the ball for, you know, the remainder of the game and Seattle really just, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's just personnel? Like, do you think like a Jalen Carter could really fix this? Or do you think it, you know, some of the scheme shifts that they've been implementing this year, you know, had to do with it? Yeah, man, that's a really good question. And that's funny enough. That was the, that was one of the, the tweets that I saw from you that I was like, man, I, I hundred percent agree with you. Jalen, Jalen Carter would be a godsend for this team. This defensive line itself is, I'm, I'm going to say it this way. It's, it's not, it's not bad. It's just, it's not good. There's no, there's no upper tier talent in there. Like Puna Ford, he's a good player. He's a solid player. Al Woods is usually a decent player. He was injured. Shelby Harris has been one of their best defensive linemen. He was injured tonight. So, so that means you have Brian Moan, uh, Quinn Jefferson, and Puna Ford trying to, trying to beat back uh, this offensive line that, like, that wants to keep running. And then on top of that, you have you have problem fitting from too high for the safeties coming down and just and just not being able to uh, the linebackers not flowing correctly into the right gaps when when they ran those counter pulling plays. Um, they're going to get beat. And, the, and it's and it's funny because like they didn't actually let up a ton of huge yards on any given run. Like we didn't see any huge Josh Jacobs like like exactly. 70 yard touchdown. We didn't really see any of that uh, today, <clears throat> which was. Kind of surprising. I, I figured eventually one of those would break free. And I think the max we saw was Blackshear running for 16. And maybe that was his touchdown. I don't even remember when he did that. Um, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I would love to see a Jalen Carter on this team. Cause it's, they, they, they need the upside. They need that talent up front. And, and as much as I go back to last year, when, when Jordan Davis was a mid first round pick with, for the Eagles, I go back to that pick and I think, now I finally get why teams are willing to take a big, big run stuffer that has upside to rush the passer. And it's simply, it's simply because you can, you can run too high, slow down teams that way, and maybe you can get that upside from the passing. And, 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 that's, and that's why I, I lead more and more to Carter over like a Will Anderson, even though that I would love to see Will Anderson in Seattle as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I thought Nuosu had a pretty strong game, uh, yeah. especially rushing the passer. Um, you know, Bruce Irvin, I mean, I respect him a lot, but he's more of a road. He should be a rotational edge at this point in his career. Uh, I don't think he did a great job against the run, especially setting the edge. Uh, you know, Carolina really likes to attack those, you know, the outside of the tackle, not necessarily like, uh, you know, not like the Seahawks with these wide zones, just uh, a lot of duos that Mark Schlereth kept mentioning over and over on the broadcast. Um, but, but yeah, no, it, I would say this. I think Seattle's a pretty good team. Um, it, they just, you know, no one really expected them to be seven, six right now anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's how I feel about it. It's any, any win above, above four wins to me is, is, is to me, that's a positive. 
what did you, I want to hear kind of your perspective. What were you expecting from Carolina coming into this game? And what did you overall think about them? I thought, man, it's, this is one of those games where you see the line and you're like, this is a trap game. It's, 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 there's, 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 they should on a normal week. You feel like this is like a seven point easy favorite type game. But the minute I saw the three point spread or three and a half point spread, I was like trap. It's a trap. And I, to, to me, I figured, I figured in my perspective was that if the Seahawks could give Gino time and the defense didn't screw up and they just kept, if they, they just kept loading the box, like with like a one high defense type look and in order, in order to slow down the running game and give and, and force Sam Donald to throw on third downs and third and mediums and third and longs. I thought they had this in the bag. And it's and it's and if if I'm thinking that way, I, I think I think there's probably some bleed into the coaches and like the staffers where 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 they they look at the Panthers and they think uh, they're not really a playoff team and you know that they're they're so behind that uh, we're going to focus more on the other games around it and the and the other emotional games with the Rams or or another team like that. Yeah, I don't. I, mean, I, I think I think it was just an obvious trap and they fell into it, man. Yeah, for sure. And you guys got the 49ers on a short week. Upcoming. Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to get, they're going to get smoked. Like there's, there's, if they can't stop the run and it's a simple, like to me, it's they're, they're what they're going to do is they're going to have Christian McCaffrey. They're going to, they're going to run some of the counter. They're, they're going to be all right on the outside zone. But the minute they start fitting with the fullback, that's, it's going to blow them up for one or two big plays. It's going to be a hard game. Yeah. I'm, I'm really fascinated to see if that, I mean, look, weird things happen on Thursday night. No one expected yeah. Baker Mayfield on two days rest to go into uh, Los Angeles and lead his team back from 14 down like less than three minutes so I wouldn't put it past Seattle to figure out a way I mean we saw them beat um, in my opinion a better 49ers team last year in Seattle um, so I don't know you know weird things happen on Thursday night they're the home team uh, like you said it could be a, it could have been a trap game I just felt uh, for Carolina my viewpoint is that they were coming off a of bye week um, you know, ever since Steve Wilkes took over, um, you know, outside of that Cincinnati game and maybe the Rams game, which is his first week, they've been, uh, you know, they just haven't really kind of, um, you know, set the tone physically, phys- wise. And, you know, so they've been, you know, they had that short week game on Thursday night against the uh, Falcons. And ever since then, they've really just kind of turned a corner um, defensively and, uh, you know, that's kind of helped propel them into the situation now where they're potentially on the cusp of, you know, winning a division, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, what are your bigger thoughts here? As kind of we close out here on just the Seahawks and what direction you think they're going to go as you know, the final four games are approaching? Yeah, it's a, it's such a good question. And it's, I'll be really curious to see if the Panthers can close out the season and actually win the division. Like that's like your division is like how I felt about the NFC East for so many years. Like it's like not a single like fantastic team, but what's going to happen is that one of you guys will sneak in with like a, like a fifth, like a 500 record. And then you're going to beat somebody like completely unexpectedly. That's, I feel like that's the way I I, I view <laughs> like the NFC South right now. Um, in terms of the Seahawks, I think the big question is um, will Geno Smith kind of rebound from this type of game? Like for the first half of the season, he was, incredible he was easily a top three to top five quarterback and that's like you can look at any advanced stat you can watch the film he did everything right which is so weird for me to say that out loud for the second half of the season he's been okay like he's been 
probably like a top 12 guy or top 15 guy um, with kind of these hit or miss performances. And it's one of those things where if he ends the season strongly, I, th- I think they resign him. And, and then I, I, I think that's basically it where it's, that's, that's their guy. And then they'll draft, you know, like a Jalen Carter. I'm, I'll put money on Jalen Carter right now. If Gino closes <laughs> out strong, um, I think they'll see the value in him pretty quickly. And um, I, I, I think they still have a decent shot of taking one of those wild card spots, um, especially because I don't, I don't believe in the commanders, even though I'm <laughs> from DC and I, I've, I've watched enough commander like football. Um, I mean, their defense yeah. is legit. So that kind of gives them a higher floor. Does it definitely does. Um, I just, that, like Heineke or Wentz or whoever yeah, yeah, yeah. start there. I, I just, Heineke is too crazy. For yeah, me. I just, I just, I just don't. And and I, I think, I think the Daniel Jones Giants type team. I, I think they're going to start falling apart too. So I don't, I don't, I don't really see three teams from the NFC East going. So, I, so, so, so to me, that means that I think like a Seahawks or or maybe even like a like one of the other teams can kind of sneak in. Yeah, for sure. And I think that. I don't know if Russell Wilson will close out the year. He played really well today. Um, yeah, he did. Give him credit for that. Uh, I was kind of watching that. I had, I had money on Denver uh, in the eight and a half, and I was surprised um, that he kind of really – he played well. I'll, I'll say that. I know the, the interception was doing the rounds there, but, um, you know, really put in that position. But, yeah, I think that if Russell Wilson is out, then uh, I, I don't really see Brett Rippon winning more than, like, a game or two. So I think you guys are in pretty good – in a pretty good spot, you know, with the top five pick potentially, because uh, uh, with the Rams too, and Baker Mayfield, I think that gives them, you know, an opportunity to win a couple more games. Um, and I just think right now you're dealing with Houston and Chicago for you know the top three spots. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm looking at the bear schedule Eagles. That's probably a loss. The bills that's a loss. The lions. That could be a fun one, but probably a loss. Yeah. Lions Vikings. Yeah, that's a toss up, but yeah, I I there's a good chance that the Bears don't win a game for the rest of the yeah. season. Um what are your thoughts on, you know, this is going to be my final question for you and then we'll kind of wrap this up. What are your thoughts on uh, the job Shane Waldron has done? Um you know, Carolina currently is uh you know, the interim tag is on Steve Wilkes and I think if he continues having the team perform like this, then um that interim tag will come off and he'll get the full-time job. Uh, but uh, just curious because, you know, Waldron, uh, whether it's in Carolina or elsewhere, will be in demand. So I'm curious uh, uh, what your thoughts are on him. Yeah, it's a man. Good question. I Is is Waldron getting any sort of uh, like head coaching, like like praise the way that like like D'Amico Ryans is getting or have, have you have you seen any of that around? Yeah, I have. Um, you know, Mike Kay, who's the beat writer for the Carolina Panthers on the Charlotte Observer, he's been praising Waldron. Uh, my co our co-host John Ellis and myself, we've been uh, we've also been praising Waldron's name on this podcast and on Twitter too. So um yeah, no, I'm we're big fans of him, but you know, as you know, um, you know, being a head coach is more than just being a you know really good offensive play designer. Uh, you know, as we as we're seeing in Denver. But just your own impression of what he's done um, with that offense, because I think he could potentially have an impact similar to uh, O'Connell in Minnesota. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 that man. It kind of caught me off guard just mainly because that's like it's it's I've, I've heard so much about like a D'Amico Ryan's or somebody else. Yeah. Um, from my perspective, and, and and I guess the way I see this is that I like a lot of what Shane Waldron has done. 
He's it's the fascinating part is that oh, the entire offseason it was Pete Carroll claiming how it's going to be a run first team and how they're going to go back to the basics and all and all this other stuff. And what's fascinating is that a lot of the play calling and a lot of the schemery has has been about more of the modern look of like an NFL offense in terms of creating light boxes and using motions in the correct way. And then, and then uh, how they use their players uh, on their various route concepts. It's, it's not, it's not your classic Seahawks offense. When, when we saw them under Russell Wilson, he's done such a good job of adapting the plays that Geno Smith is good at um, like running dagger, for example, where you have a, uh, you know, you have like a seam route in the, in the, from the slot and then a dig route from the outside that cuts underneath and, and finds that space. Uh, that's something that, that Russell Wilson can't throw to save his life. But with Gino, he's, he's, he's calling that baby like once or twice a game and it's great. Um, so he's, 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 done, he's done a bunch of various play calls that um, he's done a good job of adapting the team to, uh, to his players' skill sets, which is something that um, I really like. Um, he isn't sticking to the same basic stuff. Um, he does, he does tend to fall back on the tried and true stuff, which makes sense. Cause that's where his roots are. Right. Um, he's, he's, he's impressed me so far from this season, a lot more than what I saw last year. And maybe that's just the fact that he's not hamstrung by, by, by a quarterback that kind of has <laughs> to play a certain way. So, um, I'll give him credit for that. Um, like to me, Washington, if Washington doesn't make the playoffs, um, I can see them needing a new head coach too especially if they have a new owner um, as well. But I'll be straight with you. Shane Waldron wouldn't be the first name that I'd be looking for. I'd be looking for Tamika Ryan. So um, I don't know. I guess, I guess, I guess we'll see. It'll be a, it'll be a very interesting off season if he gets, if he gets, um, gets, gets stolen away. Yeah, for sure. I, I would also look at D'Amico Ryan's Saint, uh, Shane Steichen in Philadelphia as another guy. Yeah. I, agree but I don't that. know. I, I've always been intrigued with Waldron ever since Seattle hired him last year. Um, I figured, you know, that McVeigh coaching tree has really kind of worked out in yeah. uh, in the league. Um, even Shanahan McVeigh. Um, I know, uh, you know, what Mike McDaniel is currently doing in Miami. And obviously, like we mentioned, O'Connell in Minnesota. Mm. You know, I, I think that is somewhere where you can go and really kind of upgrade your, uh, potentially upgrade your team. Um, but, you know, this is um. Let's just close out on my end here. Uh, big win for Carolina. Uh, John and I will do a full recap show. Um, you know, they're currently five and eight, game back of Tampa in the wild card chase. Uh, but we'll uh, look forward to that and other breakdowns. But Sam, is there anything you want to plug before you sign off here? Yeah, just uh, my YouTube channel. If you guys want to see some film breakdowns on <clears throat> on on the Seahawks or other teams, um, that's you can find me at Samuel Gold NFL um, on YouTube and then Samuel R Gold on Twitter. Yeah, and be sure to follow him not only just for Seahawks content, but he does a great job covering the NFL and the NFL draft as a whole. So, uh, you know, that YouTube channel will come in very handy when he's breaking down uh, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, all these guys at Carolina might be interested mm-hmm. next year. Um, but, Sam, really appreciate you taking the time to join here on Late Notice. And uh, thank you again, everyone. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.